You're listening to the Teak Nation Podcast, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Good morning, Teak Nation podcast listeners. Good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is you've chosen to tune in to this podcast program. My name is Alex Swenson. It is Monday, July 12th. Donnie Aldrich is back with me. We skipped, well, we kind of skipped last week. We didn't have any conversation last week, which I'm sure you missed out on. So uh, what what were you sitting on that you were you were dying to share with the listeners that you didn't get a chance to? From last week? From, from yeah. I mean, we have two weeks worth of content to smash into the next 20 minutes or so. So it's going to be rapid fire. I think you know most of my banter is going to be around how we can get better, how we can challenge ourselves, rituals, habits, things we can do to make ourselves better. So if you want to get into that, I'm game. If, you, if you're just interested in what I did on my Thursday night, I'm, I'm guessing most folks will be bored by what I did because it was most likely Boring. a little family time, a little reading, sleep train work well how we we've not spoken since july 4th so how was your fourth of july it was good standard you know the standard uh, hit the pool family cookout all that good stuff of course well uh, i do want to jump back a week we talked to andrew about his journey up mount everest which was great conversation i really enjoyed that time any lasting reflections or takeaways from that conversation before we move on every time we speak with him i'm more impressed by who he is and even more so the reverence that he has for for mountains mountain climbing the the pieces that he is taking on there's this dual respect and i came into our first conversation with him thinking it was more of a i'm going to take down the mountain right i'm gonna mind over matter like a fun I'm gonna, activity just yeah not, I, well i don't know about fun activity but more of a i'm going to be in the mindset that i'm going to crush this and and i'm going to take this mountain down i'm going to dominate it and his his mindset was more in a reverence in I'm lucky to be in this journey with the mountain. And when I get to the top, I'm going to take it all in. I really, again, his piece he shared on patience and the fact that they stood you know, 10 minutes away for an hour they stood there. And, and yes, they're taking it all in, but I cannot imagine how exhausted they had to be out of breath. And even though it had to be one amazing view, standing there so close for something you've worked for your whole life. And then, hey, great, I'm just going to stand here for another hour. I He made it sound like it was very nonchalant and, and not <laughs> a large deal, yes. but it would seem like a large deal to me or any of us who think about something, your goal, your dream, and you're, you're right there next to it, but you've still got to stand here and, and look at it, uh, the amount of mental fortitude that yeah, if you've not listened to the interview, please go back and do so. It's it's a pretty quick hitter. I think last week's episode is only about 35 minutes, so uh, not a ton of time required. And, and really, uh, I it was one of my favorite conversations we've had, even more so than than when we talked to him when he was actually on the mountain, which was a really cool experience. But I know we talked after uh, after we talked to him last week and compared and contrasted the two, and he was very clearly uh, trying to save energy, right? You could tell he was huffing and puffing a little bit, even just talking to us the first time versus, you know, he's able to be more in his element talking to us last week. But, uh, but yeah, just the, I mean, there's, there's literally nothing 
that can compare to climbing Mount Everest. It is the tallest mountain on the face of the planet. There is, I mean, I'm sure in terms of difficulty or, or challenges, there's there are other mountains that are very challenging to climb, but in terms of height and energy it takes and, and the way that your body functions at, at that uh, distance above sea level, there is no comparison. So just to hear him really walk us step-by-step step through what that journey looked like was, was fascinating. It's not... Uh, not something you get a chance to do every day or even at all in your lifetime, speak with someone directly who's, who's climbed Mount Everest on a, on a, you know, not just a passerby level, but a, a personal level and have a chance to connect with them. So just another really cool opportunity that we get being a part of this fraternity, another really incredible human being that we get to interact with thanks to Teak that if I was not a member of this fraternity, I would have likely never interacted with in my entire life. Great point. It is, uh, well, it was, a, it was a, a heavy, heavy sports weekend to shift gears. First question, did you watch the Euro final yesterday? I was blessed of, of the timing that I literally turned it on as the PKs were starting. So I missed, mm-hmm. it, this is one of the things about soccer, right? That That's interesting. I missed, in my mind, I missed all the things I didn't need to watch. You missed all the boring stuff. Yeah, I missed all the boring stuff because none of that mattered. None of that mattered for the outcome. You watched so the last- I'm sure it was entertaining. I'm sure it was entertaining, but it's much like a, a game that goes into overtime. You didn't need to watch all of regulation because overtime is what matters. Was able to watch the PKs. I, uh, wow, it's... I don't think I fully appreciate just how important it is for those two countries. And I know it, it, the game was in England and for them to reach the final, huge deal. Even though I play it up as I think is is unbelievably uh, impressive and, and a large feat, I'm sure it's even larger there in England. Yeah. So for those, well, for those folks, yeah, for those folks in the, la- the last three guys who all missed their shots, a couple of them were blocked and then one hit the post. Uh, that's... I'm sure that they're struggling. They struggled to go to sleep last night and they're probably struggling to wake up because that's how important football is over across the pond. Well, yeah, it, it was, first of all, I'm not a, I, I realized yesterday, and I guess I've probably known this wrong. I'm not a fan of PKs. It just like go to, they call it golden goal essentially is what sudden death is in soccer is you get to a point where, and, and barely anyone does golden goal anymore, but where you score a goal and the game's over, right? There's the two 30 minute extra time overtime period periods where you play 30 minutes regardless you could score six more goals in that period of time and then you go to pks the pk i, I would much rather see a, a game winner in the run of play in regulation or in extra time than to go to pks that being said it was uh it was an electric penalty kick shootout uh both of the goalkeepers were were on top of their game i do feel terrible uh one backstory that you probably don't care about but i'll talk about for 90 seconds 45 seconds um all three of those players are extremely young for England and have experienced some uh, have experienced some uh, some some racial tension let's say as members of the English national team as members of their their home teams in England that a lot of people were very concerned about and has already started to uh, to rear its head due to their misses but there were other more experienced players that chose I guess unless it was the the coach's decision to not take PKs so there's a lot of criticism around the fact that you have these the last two uh, Sancho and Saka are both 18 or 19 years old you throw them out there when you have these you know 10-year vets who have taken plenty of PKs there was a there was a lot of uh, head scratching around those decisions for England but yeah I mean England to have an opportunity to win a, a major tournament since 19 or first since 1966 on their home soil, Italy, who missed the World Cup 
the last go around, um, just like the United States. And then to come back from that and win their next major tournament, their next major opportunity to get a trophy. Uh, it was uh, a lot of great storylines, a lot of great, uh, a lot of great football being played and just, you know, it gets me, gets me gassed up for the world cup gold cups going on, which no one really cares about, which is fine. But another opportunity for American soccer to take center stage for the next month or so. And uh, it's a, you know, it's, it's a fun sport if you can find yourself getting into it. I'm not into soccer at the level that you are something that I am mystified by because I watched it happen over and over and over yesterday in the, the, the folks that did it, the the guys that do the slow walk up or the stutter, yep. those are the guys that were missing versus the yep. guys that are very decisive walk up and just boom, you know, they put, I mean, the, the, I think it was a second striker for, England he kicked that thing in the top right corner and that yeah. thing had some heat on it but he was committed he wasn't dancing around right he just walked in boom well and that's that's the the two the two methods of taking a PK one is just go up there and rip it with confidence you know there are if you hit it fast enough to the right spot there's literally no way that the the goalkeeper is going to save it even if they dive the right way even if they jump the right way you hit it with enough pace it's going to just blast through their hands into the top corner so that's the that's the most effective way the the second way that you're talking about though is to to wait essentially and make the the goalkeeper try and give something away about which way he's going to dive or which way he's leaning so that you can go the other direction so that's what you know that's what those guys rashford who who hit hit it off the post with england totally well, I, I, under, totally I understand it itself out right i understand the methodology that they right. were doing i disagree with it because you can't get a lot of power and at right and but, so yeah but if you if the, if the goalie doesn't commit if the goalie doesn't commit in time, right now you're just guessing and you're essentially just kicking it without any walk up, run up. You're just kicking, just standing there and kick, kicking the ball. Well, it's all it's all about confidence because if if you don't have the confidence that you can rip one into a corner, because the 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 downside of that is if you take a big enough swing, there's a chance it's going to go flying over. There's a chance you're going to miss it left, miss it right. There's a much higher probability the the harder you try and kick the ball that you're going to miss your target. So it's all about confidence and and it showed right in those moments the those those kickers did not have the confidence to put something with pace into a corner and that's why they didn't didn't hit it in the back of the net so uh i did love the uh the italian goalkeeper gianluigi donnarumma uh after he saved that last one just casually got up and walked off to the sideline like nothing happened that's a that's a pretty baller move he's only 23 or 24 he's extremely young he's also like seven feet tall which i would assume is an advantage when you're trying to save penalty kicks. All right, done with soccer until the World Cup. Um, NBA Finals. Thought we were going to get another Suns in four. We are not. By the time this podcast drops, I, I, I believe another game will be in the books, so we'll be four games deep. Right now it's it's 2-1 Phoenix. How are you feeling about the finals so far? We finally got it right, right? After three games apiece in the conference finals, we both did predict that it would be Phoenix-Milwaukee. So huge pat on the back to Teak Nation Podcast for nailing that one. Yeah, I feel like game four is the one that's going to define if this is a longer series or not. I still feel like Phoenix is going to win this series either way, but this game four will determine whether that's in five or six or seven. Yeah, you're going to have to get 40 a game out of Giannis, which is possible, but it's going to have to happen. You're going to need more from Middleton and, and Drew Holiday. And that's that's what in the NBA they always say is your, your role players seem to step up more at 
at home, your stars seem to shine more on the road. Fortunately, Milwaukee does not have home court advantage. So even if Middleton and Holiday and PJ Tucker and Brooke Lopez go nuts every game they're at home, you're still going to lose 4-3 if, if Phoenix keeps the pressure on. So I agree with you. I think the I think the Suns will win. I think I think it'll be in five or six. I would not be surprised to see them win the next two, but we'll see how the old Pfizer forum shows up next. Uh, I think it's Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, and uh, and see if they can can even it. Uh, Stanley Cup. We did have the uh, the Lightning bring the cup home for the second year in a row. Neither of us are big hockey guys, but congratulations. Happy, happy for Zach Scott. Zach Scott. Butch Mathenia, also a big Lightning fan. Edwin Robinson. Edwin. Big Mike Sutton. All of our good Tampa friends. Let's name Ed, everybody we know in Tampa Ed, right Ed now. Ed Drosty. Ed Drosty. Stephen Lytle. Assume assume Drosty's a big uh, big Lightning guy. Yeah, the strong alumni base. Tampa Bay Alumni Association won Alumni Association of the Year like two conclaves ago. So you know you know there's a lot going on down there. But TJ uh, Schmitz is probably a Lightning fan. TJ, I'm sure he's uh, he's just he went to the went to the parade. I saw Zach uh, on Instagram was at some bar restaurant or something, and they brought the cup in and got pretty close to it. That'd be that'd be a cool experience. I've uh, I've had the good fortune to stand very close to the Super Bowl trophy a few times. I've never been, you know, up close. I don't think I've ever seen the Stanley Cup in person. We know the hockey team here in Indianapolis, and as previously mentioned, not big hockey guys. But that's a that's a cool ass trophy. It is. All right. Last sports thing. It is Open Championship Week, British Open, if you want to be super American about it. But it is the Open Championship. And uh, I'm curious to hear who you think is going to win over Royal St. George's. Well, the the this is the hardest tournament to pick a winner for anyone out there who's not a golf aficionado because you can get a horrible draw. And what that means is you either play in the morning on Thursday and the afternoon on Friday, or you play in the afternoon on Thursday and the morning on Friday. And usually one of those two waves hits some squall of rain and wind and chaos and it completely eliminates their ability. Uh, the greatest example of that is in the early 2000s, Tiger was winning everything, and he hit a squall. He shot 81 uh, when he was at the peak of his powers and didn't win the British Open when everybody thought he was going to win by 5 or 10, just because he, he had the bad yeah. draw. So with that all said, it's, it's complete potluck in terms of which draw you get. Um, Rory is is really been struggling. He's someone that I, I thought would have a good chance. I believe my pick from the beginning of the year when we do our picks was your your pal Jordan Speed. That's right. Be great to see that. It's it, a lot of the great players, the the strong players have not been playing uh, in the last two to three weeks. So it'll be interesting who has form. You always got to look at at John Rahm coming off the U.S. Open. You've got to look at DJ who usually plays well, and and Brooks finds a way in these majors yeah. to 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 really push ahead. Uh, a sleeper pick that I would give you would be Ian Poulter, who's never won a major, uh, finished in the top five in the Scottish Open this weekend, uh, and another person who is up there who feels like his game is trending is, is Justin Thomas. We'll see. But uh, he's due to win another major at some point here in the next year or two. Yeah, I agree with you uh, on on pretty much all of those counts. A little skeptical on the Poulter pick, but you provided context, so appreciate that. 
I would say, you know, Rom's playing the best golf I think of anyone in the world right now. He's an easy pick. To your point, though, they are, you know, the the coastal golf courses. I know a lot of the the open in the the rotation are are right on the water there, and this is one the of them. this is one of them. So you you certainly have that possibility of getting some uh, some of those English Channel winds coming in and the flags that are that are just standing up straight on the on the the pin sticks, which is always fun. But um, I I think. And, and you know, I'm a very pessimistic fan of, of every sports team and every sports individual that I root for. I do think that that if you made me pick one guy it would be Jordan Spieth. I think his game's in a good spot. And I, I just believe that he is his game is more suited for, for an open championship than any other major, even the Masters, which he's has well documented success at. His short game's good. He puts the ball well. He lags the ball wet, right? You you don't see him hit a ton of three putts. Um, he can get it. He's very creative around the greens, which it takes to be successful across the pond. So I am going to go with, with Jordan Spieth. Uh, I also like Victor Hovland this week. Just think his game's a good spot as well. And, and he's due to win a major here soon. He's a, a very talented golfer. And I don't have a dark horse for you. Didn't put one together. But I'm excited. I, it's uh, it's fun. I'm excited for the tee times to come out, right? You always see who's who's playing when. And then, you know, I've been known to set my alarm for four or five o'clock in the morning, which you do every day, and uh, and get up and watch a couple hours of golf before I'm before I mosey on in in the morning. So uh, we'll see what the tee times look like and when I'm going to have to get up to watch Jordan play. And it's fun. It's a fun. It's a fun tournament in terms of coverage too, because you get tons of golf early in the day. You know, Sunday they're wrapped up by one or two p.m. You can get up in the morning, watch golf from eight a.m. until two p.m. Sunday. You have a winner. Got the rest of your Sunday to put podcast outlines. To. Well, and we're gonna hit the 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 real dead time of sports after the Open is over on Sunday. The NBA Finals will most likely be over. The NFL training camp start at the end of the month, so you're gonna have the, the seven day period where. Wait, Nothing is occurring except for baseball. Olympics. Oh, the Olympics. That's a good point. Forgot about the old Olympics. You know, it's easy to forget about the Olympics because there won't be anyone there but the athletes. So, and maybe not even the athletes. Who knows? That's true. Still, still a week or two to figure that out. Rule of three. So this stems from another exciting life event that uh, that happened since we last spoke. I was getting coffee a couple, uh, just two Thursdays ago, and uh, in walks a, a tall, scruffy-looking man to get some coffee as well. It's just me and him in the coffee shop here just outside of Indianapolis. He turns around, and lo and behold, it is retired professional football quarterback Andrew Luck. So I said, uh, said hello to Andrew, introduced myself, talked to him for four or five Five minutes while our our drinks were being prepared and then we both went on our way him probably to never think about that or interaction again as long as he lives and uh me to hold it near and dear is the most exciting moment of my life so there's uh two two pathways to take there but anyway my rule of three so i know we've done uh done celebrity i think we did celebrities you'd most want to have dinner with but i i changed that up a little bit to uh to three sports figures so they have to be from the sports world you would most like to have an opportunity to to have a conversation I'll go rapid fire on you. Got it. Tiger Woods is one. Want to have a discussion about how he is is unbelievably clutch 
and the thought process that goes in his mind when he's standing over a shot or a putt, because for a good run there in my my teen years and in my 20s, everything he stood over that he had to, he had to make the putt, he had to make the shot, he pulled it off. It's just yeah. amazing yeah. When, you, when you think back about it. Two is MJ, uh, Jordan, and, and how he attacked the game, um, the, the things that he created for himself. Obviously, The Last Dance helps to, to highlight a lot of that, but to talk through some of his processes would be great. And then my third one would be Peyton Manning, uh, a guy who were, outworked everybody. And if you look at him, he's, he's not the most athletic cat in the world. So how he went about his craft, how he navigates preparation. And then frankly, he's extremely entertaining to talk to. So that would be a fun conversation just because he's a big personality. That's right. Well, I will pick up where you left off with Peyton Manning. He's my number one. Uh, He was also in my top three celebrities list. So I just, I really want to hang out with Peyton. He seems like- You should have talked. You should ask Andrew if I'm sure he's got Peyton Manning's cell phone number. number. He's probably got his number. Yeah. Well, next time I'm going to be, now that I know where Andrew gets his, his coffee beans, you know, I'll be there just about every day from the time it opens till the time it closes. So uh, we'll see him again. Uh, number two, uh, these are the next two are both right in line with the, the themes of this episode. Number two is Cristiano Ronaldo, soccer player for uh, Juventus, Portugal. I've just always admired him, admired his game um, in much the same way that the Peyton Brady argument has played out throughout time. The MJ LeBron argument has played out throughout time. The Ronaldo Messi argument is, is maybe the most significant on the world stage. And uh, as is the case with my opinion on Peyton being better than Brady and LeBron being better than MJ, my opinion of Ronaldo being better than Messi is the minority opinion. So uh, that's unfortunate that I continue to fight losing battles here, but just he is uh, he is a physical specimen. Uh, he continues to obviously continues to age as we all do, but does not show any signs of, of letting up. So I'd love to talk to him. And then my last one is, is Jordan Spieth. Uh, I thought about throwing Tiger in there. Um, thought about a few others, but you know, just hearing Jordan talking some interviews. First, he seems he seems very down to earth, very uh, approachable, and and just honest. Anytime he speaks on a podcast or or in the media, and then to talk about his struggles that he's faced the last three years and the way he's emerged through those, and just he he never never lost who he was or what he wanted to be. Never felt like he was a failure. Uh, just kept working, kept fighting and and his games come back around which has been great for me personally as a lifelong fan of his so uh, Jordan Spieth would be the third we are excited to bring in a fellow Teak staff member Frater Santos Lara you all know Donnie and I quite well by this point if you don't that's your own problem you know Zach Scott well, who used to be with us and is on to much bigger and better things, but we don't really expose you all to many other staff members here on the Teak Nation podcast. So we thought it might be a fun opportunity to, to bring Santos in, allow him to share a little bit about his story, who he is, how he got to, uh, well, first Indianapolis, now Park City, Utah, and what he enjoys most about, uh, about working for the fraternity. So we'll bring in Santos, have a fun little chat. Our good friend, Frater Santos Lara Jr. A lot of people forget that little junior piece on the end. I wanted to uh, to show respect to your father. Uh, Santos joined Teak at the University of New Hampshire, Alpha New Chapter. Joined Teak staff in 2015, 2016? Professional staff? I joined yeah. in 2016, Al. 2016. 
I knew it. And, uh, and, and we're just excited. It's been, uh, I mean, it's been five years since you've been on staff now. And uh, as I said a little bit in the, the preview here, give our viewers, our listeners a chance to know you a little bit. You may remember Santos from when we recorded the podcast when I was at LSU and I was sharing a hotel room with him and, and he walked in and said, hello, but that was a while ago. So anyway, Santos, uh, first thing, last weekend, you trekked through the wilderness in Yellowstone National Park. You did not, as far as I can tell, get attacked by any bears. Did you see any bears? And how did that go? Just roughing it in the wild for a few days. Thanks, Alex. That's a great question. I, uh, I, I will get, I will start off with no on the bear front, unfortunately. However, that being said, did have an opportunity to see a lot of different forms of wildlife in their natural element. I uh, saw a baby moose, got to see a coyote, got to see elk, deer, um, rabbits, all sorts of that. But uh, being out in Yellowstone was, was pretty wild, man. I have to say, um, you know, a lot of people think of going out and going camping and they think of a car camp version where you kind of pull up into your spot and you pull everything out and you set up your tent and it's, it's great. Uh, that is not the version of camping that we did. We were uh, actually out in the backcountry, had to go and get a get a permit beforehand for two different sites. Uh, we went up to what's called Heart Lake, so it's on the south side of Yellowstone. Yellowstone is massive, by the way, right. in case you didn't know. You didn't you didn't cover the whole thing. Did not. Didn't even. Not. Uh, I would say maybe scratch the surface just a little bit. Uh, about thirty minutes into the south side of the south side of the park but I mean it was a eight mile trek out just to get to Heart Lake which is where our, our campsite was over a you know a thousand feet of change in elevation which is pretty wild um, but once you're out there man it's crazy because a lot of the lakes like if you ever go to a lake you know just down the street from you in Indiana right they're developed there's houses everywhere there's boats there's docks there's all those pieces but up there in Yellowstone, there's nothing. It's it's just you and the trees and the rocks and the wildlife. So um, it was great to unplug for a while. Absolutely zero cell service. And uh, I will say the downfall is this time of year about a million mosquitoes. I am I'm just now getting to the point where my feet and legs are not itching from the amount of mosquito bites that I got. So you just you just carry like a tent and a sleeping bag with you, just in your in your pack, and then you just you throw it up and sleep in it. You sure do. You also have to be wary. You mentioned the bears. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the bears earlier. You have to be super careful with your food. So everything has to be stored properly. And then if you're not using a bear canister, which is this very heavy duty plastic container, which again is very heavy. If you're carrying all your stuff, um, you have to do what's called a bear hang. So you put all your stuff, whether it's trash and wrappers and then stuff you're going to eat all into one bag and actually make sure that it's hung appropriately away from a tree and high enough off the ground that bears can't get at it. I thought bears could climb trees. They can, which is why you have to make sure it's appropriately far from a tree. Oh, okay. All right. Well, whatever you say, man. Donnie, any follow-up questions on Santos's Yellowstone experience? Santos, is there anything worse in the world than mosquitoes? No, those are those are probably number one on my uh, on my list at the moment. This is why we always get along. I agree. Mosquitoes are are the worst. <laughs> That's, that's all. That's my only follow-up question. I, had. I feel like I'm in. A, I feel like we're in a deposition. I just have one follow-up question confirmed. We're good. Do mosquitoes suck? They sure do. And for context, there, our first night by the lake, the bugs were so loud that at one point we got in our tent and we thought someone was flying a drone. It was like that constant hum and buzz that you hear when someone's flying a drone over your head, and it was literally just mosquitoes. You're quite the outdoorsman. You should have. You should have. Did Did you not take a GoPro and document your journey? 
Uh, we did have a GoPro. It was not mine. It was my friend Cooper's. Uh, also a Teak from Alpha New at the University of New Hampshire. A lot of those guys. Well, let's uh, let's get into that. So you uh, you go to college. You join Teak. You were a part of a, a group that, if I recall, when you joined, was not in the best position, and you helped to elevate them and and lift that group to a, a much better spot. And now Alpha New is. Uh, pretty consistently, one of our one of our better recruiting chapters, one of our higher operating chapters. What drew you to Teak at UNH, and then what from there, right? You had an option to either float along as a general member and and just sort of maintain status quo and hang out with with your bros, or be compelled to actually be an agent of change. And and you, I know you went to Leadership Academy, right? And eventually led you led you to staff. So what brought you to Teak in the first place, and then what what compelled you to to overhaul your group and, and make a, a, a lasting impression on, on your, on what Alpha New would be once you left? Sure. It's a great question. I mean, as far as me coming into the fraternity, I have to give full credit to one of my good friends. His name's Greg Gottlieb. Uh, he is actually a, a legacy, right? His dad went to university in New Hampshire, was involved with Teak there back in the seventies, the I believe. You know, Buckley. He did not ever meet him, but knew who he was. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, as far like as a lot of people are in that boat. Yeah. Well, the allure, right? Um, but yeah, he, uh, he was dead set on joining a fraternity. He was very interested. It wasn't necessarily Teak to begin with, but with him being my roommate, um, you know, he just, he worked and worked at recruiting me, right? We talk about recruitment all the time. It's a big part of our job. And he did not give up after the first ask. He spent the entirety of our, our freshman year uh, showing me the potential of, of what could happen if I was to be a member of the organization and the leadership opportunities that ensued, which goes right into the, the second part, right? You asked me, a group was in a little bit more of a difficult situation comparatively to other groups on, on campus. And and I really was shown the potential, right? The opportunity to get in, to, to be a leader, to surround yourself and recruit the guys that you wanted to be members. And, you know, at the time I wasn't heavily involved in any other organizations on campus. So I, I seized the opportunity. I mean, the amount of people that you get to meet between just the general population of campus and then administration, the people that you start to have access to, the things that you start to learn about how your university or college functions, um, I think it's just, it puts you at a much higher level in comparison to the average student, right? Obviously, you're there to get an education, but those things that you get to do on the outside, right, of just sitting in a classroom are some of the things that help develop you into being the person that you are. And so thankfully, right, Greg was there to show me right into the a little window, a little glimpse into what could be. And I, I took the opportunity and was able to, you know, join with a you know, class of 12 guys that were, were fantastic. We all got to know each other very well. And we all got on the same page as far as what we were going to do with the group. And that was we were going to create a top team culture and create the foundation for our group being top teak so it was it's pretty awesome to take part in that and then to see what it is now and the machine that we've you know helped build along the way and the guys that have sustained it up until this point being a you know top teak group again it's such an important lesson before before you go don just about about persistence in recruitment and you you, you have got every every chapter i think has guys right they're their five-star prospects we talk about that with fired up training they know they want them because they right they they exhibit all the qualities of a teak well you're those guys have a lot going on and, and are you're probably going to tell you no right there's not a lot of just absolute rock star studs on campus 
unless you have a, a brand that attracts them that are going to come banging your door down saying, I want to be a teak, especially if your group's in a position like Alpha New was when you joined. But if you can be persistent and show them the value and, and give them a reason to want to be a part of it, you can attract them in. But it's it's more than just like, a, hey, sorry, man, I got a lot, right? I'm an athlete. I'm in a couple other clubs on campus. I don't really have time. But, oh, okay, great, man. Well, good luck with your sports. We'll see you never, I guess. Um, I think that's an important lesson. Santos, what did you learn about yourself in the process of growing your group and, as you say, forming it the way that that you wanted to see it formed? What did you learn about yourself through that period of time? Interesting question. I got to look look into myself here. I I think the biggest piece was the ability to to power through, right? There's a lot of times, whether it's school administration, whether it's guys within the group, whether, you know, they're, they're not giving you what you need, or they're not doing what they need to do to the level that you want it to be. And so you, you got to find ways to inspire, empower, or get what you need done. I think that was the biggest piece. Like I think from the school administration side, the amount of events or pieces that we work to put together and, you know, it took, if I had just stopped after the first conversation, that was no, it never would have happened, right? I had to go to the next level. I had to have that next meeting. I had to push, I had to send emails. I mean, I can think back to, we did a, what's called a rail jam event. So we trucked in snow and brought in, you know, rails and made built jumps and all this stuff, huge on the liability side. But there was one point where I had to go and email the general counsel of the university of New Hampshire. And to say I caught that man off guard is an understatement because as just a you know sophomore in college, here I am sending him emails and he's like, how did you even get my email? Like, this is not what normally happens. I normally talk to deans or the president of the university. Um, so it's examples like that, right, of just not accepting that first answer and, and continuing down the path. And I think, it, you know, we did the same thing with how we ran exec meetings or how we ran stuff internally, right? If, if things weren't up to par, it was, let's have a conversation. How can we get it to the next level? Because that's where we need to be. Was that drive always internal or were there external factors that, that grew that internal drive that you had? Sure. I think it was a combination, right? I consider myself to be a, a pretty driven person. But again, the people that I surrounded myself with throughout that whole time, whether it was the men that we recruited, the men that I was recruited with, and then some of the outside influence. I mean, Al mentioned, I went to Teak Leadership Academy. I think the ability to interact with some of the guys on staff, you know, for me, I think of Pete Dawson, I think of Gabe Espinosa, right? I mean, even you and you, Donnie, and, and Al, right? Having that interaction at a very early time of this is how you drive, this is how you get things done. Uh, you know, I was at a pretty pivotal point in my life with learning and working towards getting a degree that it, it fed in very well for me to adopt those pieces. How much did, did you adapt your practices, strategy? I mean, many times in when folks think about leaders, especially guys like you, it, it can, they can think this guy came out and was fully formed, right? When Whenever he started to become a leader, was that path linear? Were there starts and stops, peaks and valleys? What was that like in terms of how you adapted and evolved uh, your leadership style and even how your group operated as they started to piece together what they have now become? Yeah. I mean, we can go with the peaks and valleys metaphor there, especially after the Yellowstone intro. Uh, it's it's definitely not just a perfect straight line. There are very high highs and very low lows as far as how you adjust and the adversity that you face along the way, right? Al had mentioned that I joined a group. I mean, at the time we went from you know 100 guys in a big house on campus to 
an apartment and 16 men. That's what I joined, right? Me and the 11 other guys from, from my class, having seen the prior version, right, for an entire year of what it could be, of what that looks like, of only socially focused, um, you know, you got to adapt over time because we went, I mean, we went from having less than 30 guys to by the time I graduated in the 70s. So as you can imagine, there's there's growing pains when you over double in, in chapter size with the way you handle meetings, with the way you handle uh, the accountability of members, because once you start to add you know, more people, if you don't keep that level of accountability high, it's really easy for the bottom third, right, of the group to just kind of do their own thing or, or go fade into nothingness. And that was, that was a huge piece for me that we always wanted to work on uh, from the leadership side of things is if you're coming and being involved in Teak, you're going to be involved at a high level, no matter what, if you're holding a position as an officer or not, it doesn't matter. I want to, I want to jump to your, your time on staff. And I'm, I'm not as curious about, about why you chose to join staff in the first place. I'm more interested in why you stayed because a lot of guys come in, they put in two or three years, operate at a high level. And then, and then they, they move on, right. They go, they move back home or they find something else to do. And, and you came in with a group of four, I believe, and you're the last one standing from that group. And, uh, and going on five years now, what has, uh, what is, What's compelled you to, to stick this out and continue to take on more responsibility and, and work with more groups throughout the last five years instead of venturing out and, and going and finding something else? Sure. I mean, this, this answer is going to seem a little cliche, but it is the, the God's honest truth. When I wrote my essay to get into to college, I talked about the ability to make a change on the world and the ability to affect people. And that was one of the biggest pieces with why I came on to staff. And I think that's the biggest reason that I've stayed. The ability to go out and affect change, work with other human beings across the board, right? We work with such a wide demographic between school administration, between our alumni, between our active collegiates. It's, it's a wide gambit and I enjoy every second of it. I'm a, I consider myself to be a people person and we work with a lot of people. It is, it is crazy for me though, right? As I mentioned earlier, I never thought I would be in a fraternity, let alone work for one for half a decade at this point. So, but you know, just the ability to give back and how fun it is. I think that's another piece that gets a lot. You know, obviously we talk about leadership. We talk about all those pieces, but it's just, it's fun, right? We get to make the fun and I get to help people out there make their version of it with their groups. I mean, if that doesn't get you out of bed in the morning, I'm not sure what will because having fun's awesome. Well, I would agree with that. Um, I think uh, <laughs> I, you, you bring up a good point about just the opportunity to enjoy what you're doing because the we know there's there there are tons of opportunities out there that you know you might be making a little more money or have a little more financial flexibility but you're not going to you're not going to get to have conversations like this you're not going to get to to joke around or, or or you know come to Indianapolis for a week and and hang out and and get to see your friends that you work with it's it's go in get your work done for 8 hours and and go home and and I you know I would echo a lot of those those same sentiments speaking of of having fun this is a get to know your your Teak National staff member episode here. Uh, what do you do for fun? I know the answer to this, but for our listeners out there, how do you how do you spend your your free time outside of fending off bears and hanging food up high in trees so that they don't destroy your tents? 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about the Yellowstone piece at the beginning. I'm, I'm big into the outdoors. Uh, right now, I currently live in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is a, a mecca for outdoor sports. So yeah, I'm, a, I'm a very passionate skier. been doing that for, for a lot of years, what I grew up on back in New Hampshire. So, you know, when it's wintertime, I'm, I'm in the mountains skiing, snowboarding, you know, going off jumps, the whole bit, dropping cliffs. That's, that's absolutely my scene. As soon as we switch to nicer weather, I spend the majority of my time running, mountain biking. Uh, I do dabble in skateboarding. It's, it's I've taken a little bit of a reprieve from it probably since my, my teen years, but I can still get on. I can still rip around and we have a lot of great skate parks out here as well. So um, uh, we don't have the ocean out here in Salt Lake, but uh, when I was back in New England, I would frequent as a surfer get out there even even in the winter time which is quite cold i will say when it's 30 degrees and the water is 36 degrees uh, you really question if you love the sport or not and when you get out there so uh, i would say it's it's worth it for me but yeah i think outside of that i mean maybe the occasional concert um you you know you've you've seen me go in and out of the snake pit at the indy 500 so i, I you know I'm, a, I'm an edm fan so um do do love the occasional concert I did not know uh, about the skateboarding piece, although I should have guessed based on your beanie collection that that was uh, that that was in the cards. There, you you also look like a hacky sack guy. You uh, you, you dabble in the hacky sack at all, or is that you haven't haven't gone down that realm? Not not much of a hacky sack guy. I will be honest; it doesn't interest me entirely. Also, my skill level when it comes to juggling like that is uh, it's minimum. To you're, say probably, least. you're probably better than you think. Um, this is a pro running podcast, so I'm glad you brought that up. You've also, we're also a pro golf podcast. You've taken a liking to that. Out, if, if there's an outdoor sport out there, Santos has has attempted it and probably been semi-successful. How's the, how's the golf journey coming along? The golf journey is, uh, well, it's slow and steady, I would say. Um, yeah, you're, I, you know, I got into it. My dad was the you know, big proponent to that when I was back in high school and it was, I, I didn't think it was for me at the time. And, uh, since I have, uh, you know, started going more and more, I actually volunteer at a course uh, about 15 minutes away from my house here. And so by doing some volunteer work, I get the occasional free round, which is pretty nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not very good at golf to be honest, but I do enjoy playing. Well, neither am I. Donnie, you're better at golf. Yes. That's it. That it was just a statement. It wasn't a question. Every once in a while, I just want to see if I don't do any prompt, if we will go anywhere with it. So it was just, that was just a prompt. Well, I think, I think we're just, we're getting to know Santos. Yeah. Santos, what, do you have any recent running accomplishments that you want to share? Recent running accomplishments? Uh, I, to be honest, I have slowed down a little bit with the running. I did a half marathon with my girlfriend back at the end of April. And so the training and those pieces uh, I was very, very into it there, probably from January until the race itself, um, was looking to parlay that training into a full marathon, but that did not happen. So I've, I've basically just been running, you know, three to five times a week at this point, low, real low mileage, but I think we're going to ramp that back up soon. So no, nothing major as far as accomplishments are concerned, but did do a half marathon back you, in the end. You ran four miles through Bloomington, Indiana with me a couple of weeks ago. That's an accomplishment. I sure did. It was very sticky outside. It was quite humid. Yes. That's summer in Indiana. Santos, what is your favorite area of the fraternity to interact? What's the, if you had it your way, right? I'm going to go into a visit with a group. What, what would you want the focus of the visit to be? Oh man, that's a, that's a great question. 
I, mean, I think the first piece that comes to mind is recruitment. I know I'm not necessarily the, the recruitment guru, right? But that is a big piece that I, uh, that I enjoy. I mean, I think it's just, there are so many facets to that of, you know, the work side of things and putting in the effort, but how you recruit, how you go about it, your mentality, and then what you can accomplish as a group if you do that successfully, I think just leads to so many different pieces that it's honestly the most fun for me because you can take it in any direction, right? Do you need to improve on grades? Do you guys want to do better socially? Do you need to do something financially? Like just the, the ways that you can make an impact there are just so vast. I would... Five years on staff, I would very much enjoy hearing what maybe one or two of your favorite visits have been. Like you think back as the gold standard of visits you made, and then you don't have to name names, but one or two of your just worst interactions, this is an absolute show, what am I doing with my life visits that you have made? Because I, I know they're right. There have to be some working on staff for five years. So favorites and, uh, and let's just say least favorites. Sure. We can start with the the favorites. And I think beyond general visitation, right, my favorite visits that I've made have been when I'm there to help charter a group because they're, I mean, it's just the, the best feeling, right? You've worked with this group and helped get them to a point. They've been recognized by the Grand Council. They've got the green light to be chartered. Someone from the GC is normally coming in. You get to hang out with that person. You get to, I mean, there's a big event. You've got school administrators. Sometimes you've got parents. Just, it's a very jovial experience. And as far as, you know, reigniting, getting that teak flame going extra bright, it's an experience that'll do that and help you recharge as far as is this worth it? Why am I doing this? Because obviously we all we all have those days. Um, and that's a day where you just you really get to soak it all in and, and enjoy the moment um, and see what these guys have helped create and what they're going to continue to foster. So I think, you know, I think back to Georgia Southern's chartering. I think that was my first one. I was there with Ron Vestio and we had a great time. It was, you know, between the alumni, between the school and between the group of guys that's down there. We just had an absolute blast. So uh, on the on the opposite end of the spectrum, as far as uh, <laughs> tough visits, um, not going to name names, but I did go to a chapter uh, just down in the South, as I used to be regional director in the South, and was talking to chapter leadership. Leadership decided it would be a good idea to just light up a cigarette while we're in an enclosed space in the meeting. Um, wasn't exactly the best look, knowing that I had to go and meet with the school administrator, their FSL, right after. Um, so I had to politely ask the gentleman to put out his cigarette. But um, for any of you out there listening, if you're in chapter leadership and I work with your group, please don't just light up a cigarette while we're having a meeting. That's a, it's a tough look. That wasn't as bad as, as I thought it, it might be. So uh, I guess all things considered, you know, having to ask a guy to put a cigarette out is could be, could be a, a lot worse, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, my final question is what what message do you have for, for Teak Nation for this upcoming year? You uh, are the regional director for Region 4. You've taken over a lot of responsibility in Region 2. It seems like you're on a, a slow upward climb to just conquer the entire country and Canada. Um, so one and three, look out, Santos is coming. But uh, we're going into a, a very, very important year as a fraternity. What's on your mind? What message are you going to be sharing with the groups in Region 4 and, and Region Region two, what's the overarching theme? What what do you have that that you want to make sure gets out there to all of Teak? 
Sure thing. I mean, last year I operated under the guise of realizing your potential and enhancing stability, right? So we have an immense amount of groups out there with an incredible amount of potential. You need to realize that you are in the driver's seat. You affect the day to day, the level of accountability, the goals that you set and what you work to achieve. Those are all pieces that you directly affect. As staff members, right, we are here to support. That's my job. I can give you the resources. I can go be boots on the ground for a little bit and I can help you achieve the things that you want. But as leaders, as members of your group, you are the ones who are gonna go out and whether it's fundraising for St. Jude, recruiting an extra five men, getting those community service hours in, doing the fired up training, you guys are the ones that hold that accountability in the day today and and can either find the success or ignore it and be lazy. And so, you know, realizing that potential. And then we have a, an incredible amount of groups between the South and the West that are, are very strong in their operations. How do you continue to be strong? How do you take it to the next level? How do you ensure that a small misstep doesn't mean that you're not going to be as effective this year? So I, I think that's the, the biggest piece is just realizing you're in the driver's seat. I'm here to support and let's go out there and, and set some audacious goals and meet them. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a great message, especially the the last piece you shared. You you talked about firsthand how you were part of a chapter that was 100 and then down to 15 and then back up to 100. It is uh, success is not guaranteed, even for the beta sigmas and the, the beta phi's and the epsilons of the world, it takes a consistent effort. And, uh, and that's a huge part of our job. It's not just going and trying to get guys to recruit more people. It's, it's helping our groups steady the ship and, and move along so that they can continue to, uh, to find that success. Thank you for your time, my friend. Uh, this has been quite a treat. We'll have to do it again sometime. Uh, you can reach out to Santos if you have any questions about Yellowstone or chapter operations or skateboarding um, or recruitment. I'm sure he would be glad to interact with you. You can find his contact information on our website. Thank you, Santos. We'll talk to you very soon. Well, I'll talk to you very soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Donnie. See ya. Anything else, Don? Uh, Santos is... A phenomenal person if you've not gotten a chance to meet him very interesting very dynamic also someone who is comfortable in his own skin and i personally enjoy being around those types of folks that know who they are and they're comfortable with who they are and they're not trying to shift to necessarily they're just they know who they are and they have that self-confidence yep exactly yeah he's uh He's a good one. I'm glad that he has stuck around and uh, chose to join staff in the first place and, and toughed it out for the last five years. Looking forward to continuing to see what he can do for Regions 2 and Regions 4 and, and elevate really our entire staff and entire fraternity. That is all for this edition of the Teak Nation podcast. We have enjoyed speaking with you. Hopefully you have enjoyed listening to us. Please like, comment, interact, ask questions. Uh, tell us whose rule of three was better this week. Uh, probably mine because it didn't have Michael Jordan in it. And, uh, and, and don't forget to uh, just smash that like button as hard as you possibly can. Subscribe, do whatever you got to do. Tell a friend, make sure that you will be the first to know when there's a new episode of the Teak Nation podcast. We will talk to you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.